Welcome to Wellspring on the Air, where professional Christian counselors share practical life and Bible insights. Why? Because hearts and minds matter. We're glad you joined our show today to hear from our host, Tova Kreps, president of Wellspring Counseling in Miami. Tova is a licensed therapist with many years of experience as a Christian counselor. Tova teaches, writes, and consults, and Life FM is pleased to have Wellspring Counseling restoring hearts and minds in our community. Welcome to Wellspring on the Air. I'm Tova, co-founder and president of Wellspring Counseling. Today's program is a little bit of a heavy program. We're going to talk about suicide awareness, but we don't want it to just be heavy. We want it to be hopeful because we all want to be very aware of the people around us so that we can love them well, see them when they need to be seen and intervene. And it's even for ourselves, if, if we have these uh, thoughts of suicide, that's what this program is about today. Suicide awareness, what it's like, what's going on out there, how we can respond, what some of the stigmas and myths are about it. And with me on the show today, I have our executive director, Dr. Leah Byers. Hi, Tova. I'm privileged to be here today. Thank you. Yeah, I decided to have Leah join me today because this is something near and dear to her heart and something that we at Wellspring are working to put material out on and to teach about, make sure we train our therapists about. It's a very, very important topic. And Leah, why is this important to you? Well, about seven years ago, we had two teenage family members, one on my husband's side and one on my side, a niece and a nephew, who were both committed suicide within six months of each other. And it was a very profound time for us and and especially for our siblings who were the parents of these children. Yeah. You know, it's interesting as I've been teaching on this and I'm doing this in a couple of different venues and I ask people, how many people do you know who've committed suicide? I don't ask, do you know someone? I ask how many? Because everybody knows someone. Sometimes it's someone close, someone personal in their lives, a loved one. Sometimes it's just someone they knew, um, you know, as a school colleague or something, but everybody knows someone. It's a huge issue in our country. Um, I want to give a little bit of stats as we begin here. One of the things is that it has increased in about 24% in the last 15 years or so. It's um, an amazing number. So suicide is increasing. Uh, The most common way of suicide of committing suicide is firearms and so maybe that relates to the accessibility of that i'm not wanting to get onto that topic today at all but it is just statistically true um then suffocation and poisoning and are lesser but people find a way to do this in in lots of ways and it's just a tragedy we have some other statistics just to put them out there Um, one is that in america right now every 12 minutes on an average someone in the United States of America commit suicide. That's shocking. That's a shocking statistic. The World Health Organization says it's about a million people a year worldwide that took their lives, and that's those that we know of, you know. So it crosses culture, basically. It crosses culture. Of the leading causes of death in America, it's number 10, which, again, is is shocking. Just compared to all the other things that we try to prevent, all the diseases we try to prevent, you know, cancer and all these things that are so important to prevent. But, but right up there is a leading cause of death is suicide. So we need to take some effort to figure out how we can be more aware of it and help make sure people get help. Absolutely. And I think, you know, just listening to these statistics that the awareness is not just making people aware who want to commit suicide how to do it. And that's sometimes what you hear. It's really making people aware that there's hope and there's help. Right. Not not just more how-tos. Like- yeah. Wellspring actually has uh, produced some content to kind of counter that show on Netflix called 13 Reasons Why. 
and it's called 13 Reasons Why Not, because 13 Reasons Why actually displays a, a young woman's uh, video recording of why she committed suicide, and um, they've even had to pull some episodes for this uh, other season that's just come up recently because it's it's something because that's coaching the, people. The you know? statistics went up in teen suicides after the yeah. show, and they, they can't um, avoid that. So we're not about that. We're about the hope and all the reasons why not, and that's Absolutely. why we're here today. For sure, that's what we want to talk about. One of the other statistics I do want to mention is that for every suicide, there are approximately 25 attempts. And that's the place where we need to spend some energy and effort in looking at. People do attempt, and that's a risk factor. If you've attempted suicide before, you're at higher risk of attempting in the future. And it may have been a failed attempt or a partial attempt, but it does put someone at risk of attempts in the future. Let's talk for just a minute about who commits suicide. The important thing is that everyone of any type of category fits. Statistically, men do commit suicide more often than women. Um, I think they're just more determined, or when they make a decision, they just follow through. Maybe it goes with that male personality. Uh, It's particularly high among American Indian men and white men um, are the highest statistics for numbers of suicides. When you look at ages... Leah, I know you, you've seen the statistics about ages. that, that they Yeah, really... it doesn't seem to really have any um, statistically that much higher in one group versus another across age groups. The only astonishing is that although it's very low, that ages 5 to 14 is even on the list. That to me yeah. is actually shocking. And actually, interestingly, under 5, they don't count them as suicide. I think they actually exist. Wow. at times, but they don't count it as that. They actually count it as, as some, I guess, homicide. Accidental. I'm an accidental. I don't know how they count it. I just know it's not on the stats because of that. But it, it is interesting. I was surprised at these statistics because I thought it was 25 and under and 16 over, and, I, and the new reports that are out by the CDC, that's not true. It's pretty much across the board. There seems to be a bump in middle age in the 40s and 50s, and then again in, in the elderly years. The reason I think it's higher in the elderly years is that for every four attempts, there's a success in the elderly population. Right. They, they've got a lot of pills on hand. They've figured it out. They, when they make a decision, they make a decision versus the one in 25 in the younger ages. Correct, yeah. So let's just talk about what a uh, definition of suicide is. Maybe it's self-evident, but I want to put a couple of words out here for us. Suicide is when a person directs violence at themselves with the intent to end their lives, and they die because of their actions. So that, again, is self-evident. But a suicide attempt is not so obvious. A potentially self-injurious behavior with a non-fatal outcome for which there is evidence of some intent to die. I want to comment on that because we sometimes say, oh, they didn't really want to die or they didn't make a full attempt or maybe there was no injury so we don't call it an attempt. But anything with that intent at all, whether it's a failed attempt or a partial intent, is considered a suicide attempt. Now, suicide ideation is the thought of engaging in suicidal behavior with or without a specific plan. So you're not attempting, but you're thinking about it. That's really important. That's who we want to reach with hope and help is people with suicide ideation and those who are considering attempting. I want to rule out a word that is not a great word, which is suicide gesture, because it's really like a dismissive kind of a phrase. Oh, they made a gesture at suicide. Like they didn't really mean it. Like they didn't intend it or they're just trying to get attention. And that's a myth I want to debunk right now. People who make a quote gesture are actually in the realm of ideation or an attempt and they are actually in trouble. And maybe they are asking for a cry to help because they think they'd like to die. And so they do need help. We need to attend to those. We need to not dismiss those. Even if someone is just doing a quote for attention, they need attention. 
and it needs the exact same attention that any other, quote, attempt would need. So I I just want to get rid of that myth real quickly while we can. Let's talk about some risk factors in this. So a risk factor does not mean it's a predictor that someone will commit suicide. It just means that statistically people who have these risks are more correlated with successful suicides. So uh, people who've had a prior suicide attempt, it's a risk factor that increases the likelihood of them succeeding. People with depression and mental illness. So I want to talk about that. It's a, it's a big deal. Sometimes people commit suicide not because, you know, they're just wanting to die, but because their brain isn't working right. So that could be bipolar disorder. It could be being in some sort of a manic phase for somebody who's got that bipolar. It could be someone with severe depression. They're really not themselves. They're not thinking their normal logical things. They're trapped in very negative thoughts. Somebody, for instance, with a mental illness of obsessive compulsive disorder can get stuck. It's like a broken record. They're stuck on the track. Everybody would be better off without me or I'd be better off dead. So mental illness and severe depression are high risk factors for suicide. Again, because at that moment in time, those people are more at risk of making a decision that's permanent that didn't need to be a permanent decision. Substance abuse is another risk factor. Obviously, again, you're not in your right mind if you're uh, under some sort of a substance, and so you may make a decision that you wouldn't have made in a sober state. People who have a family history of mental health or substance abuse disorder, a family history of suicide actually makes it more likely. It's like, they did it, I can do it. it it's a terrible negative thought pattern and cycle. A history of trauma, of violence, abuse, this is particularly true for youth. There's a high correlation for youth who commit suicide who are actually suffering from abuse in their homes or somehow in their early life, and they they just don't see a way out. They don't know there's hope for the future, and they just just want a way out. Tova, what I'm also noticing is that suicide does not discriminate and that people of all genders, ages, and ethnicities can be at risk. And I think this is really important in that one of the reasons that we're doing this program today is that It's not just Suicide Prevention Month here in the U.S. It's a global effort to bring awareness to suicide. And so we're seeing that this is happening globally. It's a global trend. It's it's concerning. And it's because it is affecting everybody. It really is true. You know, other correlated risk factors is having a gun or having access to that in in your home. Being in prison or in jail is actually, I can see why that would be a trial to live with being in prison or jail. Being exposed to other people's suicidal behavior, so maybe a sibling who's doing uh, self-injury behavior or attempting suicide is a predictor of someone else in the family considering the same option. Having a medical illness, and this can be a terminal illness where someone says, I just can't face this terminal ending and, to the, and, end. Yeah. and mm-hmm. to the end is too hard, or it could be chronic medical illness where someone says, this is just too hard to live with on a daily basis. Having a recent loss or a stressful event is another um, risk factor. So really that risk factor is about, wow, I can't see my life in the future because of this major thing that's happened to me. It's like the inability to predict a happy future. And that's a temporary state. When people are in grief and loss, they don't know that that's going to pass. That will change. It's actually the stages of grief is to have to rewrite your life in the future based on what's just happened. And so sometimes people get stuck at that state and they don't, they can't picture themselves rewriting it, but they can, they really can. There's a high risk factor of people who are isolated or are very alone. And I think that relates to our elderly population too, but it may be our youth who, who don't have places to turn in, in their homes and go to it. But Leah, I want to move to warning signs and symptoms because this is really how we can 
take care of ourselves and the people around us. So I know you have some of those that you brought with us today. So tell us some of the warning signs and symptoms that we should look for in our loved ones and those around us. Well, some of them are just people talking about suicide, uh, preoccupation with death, no hope for the future, self-loathing, self-hatred. Let me stop on that one for a mm-hmm. second. You know, that self-loathing, self-hatred, sometimes we could say, I could see why you're depressed because you think so bad about yourself, but it's really the other way around. Because you're depressed, you think negative thoughts about yourself. Does that make sense? It's it not does. a low self-esteem. It's actually a symptom of depression to have all those negative thoughts about yourself. Wow. Well, uh, also withdrawing from others self-destructive behavior, seeking out lethal means. I assume that just means looking for things either on the internet or, you know, shopping for a gun or what have you. It does. And the risky behavior, you know, someone who might be having suicidal ideation may begin to like flirt with death. So they may drive really fast or uh, take big risks with, with vehicles, with drug use, for instance. They may just, oh, I don't care, I'll just double it or whatever. And so people begin to take those risks, and they're just they're flirting with the idea. Wow. Getting affairs in order, saying goodbye. I, actually, I find this one to be quite alarming because Very. sometimes I've heard and known, and even in our family with one of the teenagers that passed away, there was a sort of really a season of feeling you could sense the relief that there was a... You know, he was organizing some things, and he he was sort of making plans to move forward, but they were just perceiving it as he was getting better. Yeah, that happens a lot when someone's been, had a lot of suicidal ideation, had some attempts, is in these risk categories, and then suddenly there's this calm, and it's like, oh, I feel so much better, and it's actually because they made a decision. They're no longer wrestling. It's important to know that people wrestle with suicide. People don't just want to die. There's great ambivalence about it. And that's why there's a calm before it because they've crossed that line of ambivalence. But people who who commit suicide, it, they're not wanting to be dead. They're wanting to not be in pain anymore. They're wanting to not face what's in front of them. They're wanting to not have to live in the life they're in. Um, and they usually have profound ambivalence in the process. And that's why we need to be available to those people because let's capture them in their ambivalence and give them a reason for hope and for surviving and that they can face their life in a positive, healthy way. One of the ones that strikes me, and and this is just as you were saying, that there's so many different ways that we can be affected by suicide is I have an extremely close family member whose spouse committed suicide. And one of the things that the spouse did was called several of the family members and sort of just had this, it was a strange saying goodbye. He was basically mm-hmm. saying goodbye. And, you know, to me, that's something that would have been a, a trigger if we had even known, you know, that that was going on. You know, we didn't understand. And that's why we're trying to say these things. These are things to be aware of, to not take lightly. Hey, he called me and it was kind of a bizarre conversation. Goodbye. We needed to pick up the phone and make an action, take an action when we see these um, warning signs and symptoms. I mean, the worst that happens is they're like, no, I'm doing fine or whatever, you know, but but us pursuing and looking and saying, tell me about your life as a whole. How are you feeling about life in general? And asking some deeper questions. You know, to kind of summarize, I want to just talk about the the why, and this is the world according to Toba, but the why do people commit suicide? There are really three broad reasons. One is that they're not thinking clearly. That goes back to the mental illness, uh, substance abuse, those kinds of things. They literally 
are take an act that's a permanent act because they're not thinking in their right mind. Those people, we need to protect from those things. That's where we maybe need to put somebody in a hospital so that they can be safe during that time. We also, um, people commit suicide because they have unbearable circumstances. So maybe it's an exposure to their failures. You know, they got found out in their affair or they went bankrupt for these men or uh, abuse or life after the loss of a loved one or terminal illness. It basically says, I can't face the life in front of me. And for those people, we need to give them hope that they can. Through Christ, we can do everything. We can face the life in front of us. And there are some amazing testimonies for people that have come out of after failures and after that where their life is better than it ever was where there is hope and a new sense of who they are in God and all sorts of those things. God can recreate our lives after major losses. And the other one is that there's a hopeless future. So this may be our elderly, people with chronic pain or isolation, people they my life can never be better. And those people we also need to be giving hope to. Your life can be better than it is today by having meaningful life with Jesus, by connecting with the church, by by making a difference in other people's lives. There are a lot of ways, even someone who's alone and isolated, that they could get involved somewhere. They could reach someone. These these people who think that they don't have a future, they, they do. So, again, I just kind of want to review. This is what we're offering to people. There is hope. And it's interesting, in terms of depression, there are 20 to 25% of Americans have suffered depression at some point in their life. But 80 to 90% of those that get treatment have success in their treatment. So, again, we need there is hope that's out there. And we need to make sure we are coming alongside people when they are depressed and saying, let's find that hope. We're going to take a break now, and we're glad you're with us. If you're just joining us, I'm with Dr. Leah Byers, our executive director at Wellspring, and we are talking about suicide awareness. We'll come back and talk about ways we can help people who may be thinking about suicide or those who've experienced it and are suffering from the aftermath. Wellspring now offers professional Christian counseling at six locations in Dade County. Therapists are now taking clients at two new locations, one at Crossbridge, Miami Springs, and Key Biscayne. For more information, 786-573-7010 or wellspringmiami.org for more information. Welcome back to our show. Today we're talking about suicide awareness, and it's a very important topic. This is the month of suicide awareness, but it's something we always need to be aware of. If you miss the beginning of the show, you can find us on your local podcast, Wellspring on the Air. But otherwise, dive right in, and we're going to continue talking about suicide awareness. With me, I have Dr. Leah Byers, and we've just added in an extra guest, Todd Peterson. Welcome, Todd. Hi, how are you? Good. Leah, would you introduce Todd to us? Happily. Uh, Todd, Pastor Todd Peterson is a dear brother of mine, and uh, we worked together for about 10 years at Wayside Baptist Church, and Todd is now the pastor of the Pulse Miami Church that meets in Tropical Park, and he is just a, a faithful servant of the Lord and just uh, just also a someone that's a trained mental health professional in addition to being a pastor. So we're so excited that, Todd, you've agreed to be on the show, and we know that there's a personal reason for that, so we're looking forward to hearing what you have to share. Yeah, so well, thank Todd, you, Leah. You're, you're too kind. I, I was concerned about what you might say about it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that word brother. Nice. <laughs> we tell on our brothers, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, thank you for joining us uh, today talking about suicide issues. And we've called you as the pastor of the Pulse Church because we know that in the last year, you, about a year ago now, you had a suicide in your church of one of your leaders. And so uh, I'd like you to just tell us about how that major tragic loss has affected you and your church. 
Well, um, actually, if, if you don't mind, I, I just want to start out by, by just praising God and, and thanking Him for just having the foresight to, to raise you up, Tova, to start Wellspring. Because honestly, I don't, I don't know where we would have been without you guys. And, and obviously, God had been raising you up for such a time as this for mm-hmm. us. And so, you know, I'm thankful for that. Um, and, you know, it affected our church in a really tough way because, you know, Eddie was one of these uh, people who, he, he wasn't a person who struggled with life, right? He was somebody who kind of seemed like he figured it out. He was uh, a leader, and he was the person that you would go to for advice. I mean, it, he was a person that a pastor would go to for advice. And so it was devastating to us spiritually, uh, obviously emotionally, and even just mentally, just trying to get our heads around, you know, like if, if this guy who seemed to have had everything figured out, um, committed suicide, then, then, you know, what, what hope do I have? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it really affected the way that we approached God. I, I would have to say that we were spiritually numb for about four months, mm-hmm. um, and it was it was just a very very tough time. We had a hard time, you know, even beginning to process through it. Yeah, you really did. And, and I want to thank you for the vote of confidence to Wellspring and, and for the listener out there. We we did come alongside the church. And I want to say that um, we are saying his name on the air because the the wife of Eddie, uh, Doctor Eddie Burke, um, his wife has given her testimony and her permission for us to share their story. Her name is Madeline Burke, and um, we are. She is sharing her testimony at Wellspring. We've come alongside her in the aftermath in this last year of all of this. So, so that is who we're speaking about. And and Todd Eddie was absolutely successful, a teacher, very involved in your church, right? He was uh, one of the church planners and on the worship team. Is that correct? Yes, yes, he was. And um, so, again, for the listener, just Eddie's suicide really was one of those that falls into that category of mental illness. He was severely depressed, and this was really out of character for him. But the negative thoughts during that time frame uh, really did cause him to act in a way that was completely inconsistent with his regular character and was a shock and a surprise to everyone involved in this. So any other thoughts about how that affected your church and any advice you may have for others who may be dealing with the aftermath of suicide in their families or homes or well you know it's it's hard to give advice I, i'm I'm still sad hmm. you know <laughs> and uh it's you know there's there's still days that um that are tough i i guess for for me as a pastor it was yeah i, I had dealt with suicide before um, with, with somebody uh, who I administered to. I was a youth pastor before, and one of my students um, committed suicide. And I had to do the funeral, and, and that was tough. Um, but again, uh, he he struggled with life. And so, you know, you could kind of get your, your, your mind around it. Um, and and I, as a pastor, I, I deal with hard times a lot. I deal with, uh, you know, I've done funerals. I've I've been there in, in people's worst times in their life, and and I always go through you know a, a period of sadness after that. But I I do a pretty good job of bouncing back. But what scared me about this is I was months, and I'm going I I'm not bouncing back. Like I would have these these moments of just deep despair, mm. paralyzing despair, where I just I couldn't do anything, and mm. and I thought wow there's you know there's something wrong with me and and 
one of your counselors, Eric, uh, sat down with me, and um, he said something very simple, but yet it just had – it made all the difference for me. He said, you know what, Todd? He says, you're not okay, but it's but that's okay. Hmm. And this, this process is going to take longer than, than you thought it was going to take, but that's just the process. And so if – if I were to say, if, if I were to give any advice to somebody who's dealing with this, I would have to tell you, you're not okay, but that's okay. It's part of the process. It's going to take longer than you think. It's part of the process. It's really good advice. You know, I, I want to throw a little bit of advice in here for people handling with someone else in the aftermath of suicide. It's the things not to say, not to ask Oh, did you have any warning signs? Because you just trigger them to think, I, I could have, should have, would have done something different. That's a normal part of the process. The truth is nobody can predict the actions of another person. We're not God. We don't see the future. And as we do this show and talk to people about ways of being alert and responding to people when we see them in great need and talking about suicide openly and asking people how they're doing, that's all good advice. But in the aftermath, the truth is we're not God, and we, we really can't predict these things. And so I think we want to be sensitive to other people, not prying into their business. You know, what did you know? What were the signs? I know this has happened to a lot of people in the aftermath where everyone else, we're just trying to figure out, you know, the story so that we can feel safe ourselves. And the truth is we can't figure out the story. Sometimes there's nothing to be figured out. It just is. When my niece passed away, it was, um, I had the opportunity to share at the memorial and I, I had this epiphany that people have two sides to suicide. They either want to feel guilty. We don't want to feel guilty, but we do. Or we want to blame. So mm-hmm. if I didn't do it, then somebody must have, somebody must have been mm-hmm. able to do something. So guilt and blame are just two sides of the same coin when you're trying to deal with this type of... And, you know, you have somewhat, uh, hopefully, old stigmas, you know, about could a Christian, maybe you're not really a Christian if you're going, if you commit suicide. And all of that is just harmful and hurtful. Uh, the truth is you can be a strong Christian and still have an affair. You can you can be a Christian and have an addiction, and you can be a Christian and you can commit suicide. And how and why God allows these things are beyond our answers. We have the side of eternity. Um, but... But we need to not be judging and blaming and guilting other people. We need to just be present with those we love, appreciate life as we have it, and love as well as we can. And then we just live with what does happen around us. We have all sorts of tragedies that happen around us. And this is just one more type of tragedy um, that when we can, we we try to prevent. And when we can't, we just grieve the loss of a loved one. And that's really the state you're in, Todd. Well. And and there's one other thing that I I like to say to people who are who are dealing with this is you are going to ask the question. It is human nature. You are going to ask the question. What could I have done? Mm-hmm. Right. And 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 <laughs> here's what's going to happen. Everybody in the world is going to tell you there's nothing you could have done. Um, you know you couldn't have seen this happening, and 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 you know that you should you shouldn't ask that question. And here's the truth of it. Them saying that doesn't help anything, right? It, 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 it doesn't make you feel better when they say that. However, they're right. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'd be like, I went through this, and people would say, oh, you know, there were three different professionals, two mental health professionals and a, and a health professional who were involved in, in Eddie's life before this, who, who were trying to help him through this time. I was one of them. Mm-hmm. And 
and if 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 we didn't see this coming, you know, mm-hmm. the average person just wasn't gonna wasn't gonna see this coming. And and you know, and of course, I went through all of the guilt feelings, you know, mm-hmm. going, man, I, I've, you know, how how many years of training have I had? Mm-hmm. And and I I just, you know, I could have done more. And at the end of the day, the truth of the matter is. You probably couldn't have done more, and even if you could have, it doesn't help anything by sitting around and and beating yourself up over something that you really couldn't have done. And so it's it's a. I, I know that this is not a simple thing. I, I know I'm I'm kind of you know it's like oh well we're going to ask this question and it yeah. doesn't help anything and yeah I, I I get it but I'm just trying to give you the the intricate details of of my emotions a mental mm-hmm. health professional a pastor. What I went through, and so I think that anybody else who is going through this needs to understand that, again, you're not okay, and that's okay. I think that's a really good place for us to wrap up. We are out of time, and I think you've said it really well. Thank you for joining us on this show. And to our listener, if this is hitting home for you for some reason, someone in your home or your own thoughts and ideations of suicide, please get help. Please just... Take yourself seriously. Know that you matter. Know that there's hope out there for everyone. There is hope. There's hope for depression. There's hope for answers. We also want you to know that at Wellspring, we have a blog on this. We have some resources on our website. You can look this up. You can find other resources. We'll connect you to other places. And we also want to give you the national hotline for anyone listening today who needs to call immediately. The number is 1-800-273-TALK. 1-800-273-8255. Get help today if this is you or your loved one. We thank you, Todd, for joining us and uh, Leah. And it's time to wrap up. This is Wellspring on the Air because hearts and minds matter. Wellspring on the Air is a production of Wellspring Counseling, a nonprofit professional counseling center with multiple locations in Miami-Dade County. Wellspring therapists are licensed by the state of Florida and Christian in their worldviews. They have wide ranges of clinical expertise, including marriage, family, anxiety, depression, and trauma. Their diverse group of therapists includes several who speak Spanish or Portuguese. If you would like to know more about Wellspring's services of counseling and education, go to their website at wellspringmiami.org or give them a call at 786-573-7010 or email them at ontheair at wellspringmiami.org. Again, you can find a way to contact them at wellspringmiami.org.